Today is Tuesday, April 23rd, and we've got a fun voicemail episode for all of you. We got some good voicemails. We got a real nice segment with Katie Sharp. Sharp stats, sharpen your mind. We talk about Chad Green, Clint Frazier, talk about Gary coming back, and uh, that's about it. I'm excited. Let's talk Yanks. All right, what's up, everybody? Thank you for joining. Hopefully the Yankees did good last night versus Harvey. We are recording before the 10 p.m. start, because if we were to record afterwards, we'd be lunatics. It'd be way too late. My name is John Boy. I'm coming to you from New Jersey, and I have my co-host Jake coming to you from Denver. He's a transplanted Yankee fan originally from Middlebury, Connecticut. Whoa. Whoa, man. 696 Trailside Ave. Giving out my roots. That's not true. That's that's, that's uh, my friend Danny Burns' address in Illinois. In Illinois. So, say hi to Danny. Mm-hmm. He lives in London now. Hello. Recently engaged, right? I missed that, and I feel bad. Wow. Is that a real thing? Yeah. Where'd you see it? On f- on the Facebook machine. You still go on Facebook? Man. I gotta get it. I gotta get... Uh, no, I'm not going to start going on Facebook. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I go on Facebook maybe once a week, but yeah, I mean, it was like one of the big ones. It was like one of those like 300 likers. It's the it's the one thing you'd see on Facebook if you went on Facebook. Yeah, I don't go on Facebook ever. Man, terrible place. Anyway. Well, bad friend. Uh, congrats on the engagement, Danny. And that's the show. And that's the show. Thank you. All right, here we go. Uh, this episode is brought to you by a bunch of cool people. Jay Malone. Crushed it. Nice. Jack Stroman. But there's an H in there, Jake. Where's the H? After the O. Stroman. Yeah. Stroman. I'm going to say just Stroman, which is very close to a guy we know. Jack Stroman. Yeah, you got the pitcher Stroman. That's, yeah, a couple things there. Joseph. Just Joseph, like that. Strong play. Yeah. Well, when you have such a rare name like Madonna, Elvis, you can just go by that. Yeah. And Joseph's ja- making a run for the Joseph. That's a huge one. No yeah. one's really claimed that yet. No. Well, maybe Jesus' dad. I mean, he's up there, but I, I don't think he... Stepdad. He, stepdad. Sorry. He, he doesn't own it like, you know, LeBron or... No, but we have Joseph now. And yeah. Jacqueline Rosano, all Jays. I think Jays are a very popular name. I wonder if there's something about that where Jays gravitate towards Jays. John Boy, Jake, Jack, Jay, Joseph, Jacqueline. And Todd W. And Todd. Todd re-upped recently. I really appreciate it. Those are our most recent Patreon subscribers. $2 a month. You get a raffle for to win a free jersey, a contest to win a free jersey. I need a, I need to see where we're at with that contest. Yeah, I haven't tallied up anything. I don't know who's leading in hits. I'll I'll, I'll get an update for everyone sooner or later. Live show. There's a Facebook aspect. Not Facebook. There's a live chat. You can catch them earlier than the podcast goes out. 
Uh, and there's going to be some more perks coming up. We really appreciate it. Most, mostly, it helps us out, and we thank you if you do it. Patreon.com slash TalkingYanks. We'll get you all the info you need. You just sign up. Jake, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. You and I are recording before the Monday night game with the Angels. The Yankees are about to start their West Coast trip, uh, which is going to be late nights. You've been you've been telling telling everyone it's canker sore week because you get canker sores when you don't sleep. Um, I do. I do. It's uh, it's it's going to be a very interesting road trip. I I think. It doesn't feel like there's going to be a middle area, right? Like, it feels like these Yankees are going to kind of figure it out, get hot and get rolling, or, no, the or middle we're going to be praying for guys to come back. The middle area is a win. Like, if they go 500 on the road trip, I'm very excited. Right. I don't see that happening, though. You think they're going to... I see them either catching a little magic and getting going, or the bottom falls out a little bit. Okay. All right. I'm rooting for 500. Before we get into voicemails, there is some like uh, news, some groundskeeping yeah. to do. They did. They released Gio Gonzalez. He will not be pitching for the Yankees. A lot of people asked me why. Is three million dollars if they brought him up with three hundred thousand dollars for every start he made. He had no interest in going to the bullpen. They they inquired. Yeah, that's no in- the, that's the biggest thing for me, Jim. Yeah. Our starting pitching hasn't been a problem. Who are you going to move? Great. Who are you going to move? Like, Domingo's the only option you move, or you split with him or do something funky with Domingo. But Domingo's been good, and he doesn't want to go to the bullpen. So we lose him. It is crazy. It is kind of nuts because, like, in a week, if we a starting pitcher goes down, we're going to be like, well, shit. Because there are other teams now that I would think will scoop Geo up. But for all Yeah, we I mean, know- the, the Crosstown Mets are gossiping. The Brewers could use a starter. I mean, he's... The Yankees and Geo, it ended up working out for both parties. We had him if we needed him, and I think now he kind of went through his spring training and he's been pitching to real batters instead of when he was throwing at Boris's complex, which now in hindsight that he fouled Boris, fired Boris, Boris has to be a little pissy about that. But, yeah, I think we're going to see Geo in the majors with the team soon. Yes, and... Yeah, that's fine. Like I said, and all we know about Gio is that he was like the nicest guy in AAA. So he did it right. You you have to appreciate the hell out of that. He bought everyone shoes. He was buying them dinners and stuff. So nice. The Yankees signed Brad Miller, who we spoke about on the last voicemail app because someone said they were embarrassed to be a Yankee fan. And I said, hey, the Indians just cut a guy who was doing well for them. And they're keeping a lot of the guys that are doing bad. They cut Brad Miller. Yankees now pick him up. Uh, and they expect to bring him up, or no, we don't know, but we think they're going to bring him up and replace Tyro Estrada because Tyro Estrada has no MLB experience besides one bunt and hasn't isn't even ready to get MLB experience. He's still kind of raw. Yeah, and I, I don't want to be rude to Brad Miller, but Brad Miller's versatile, um, which we like. He's a lefty bat. He had one really good season. I, he had 30 bombs one year for Tampa in 2016. Um, he hasn't been that player since, but he can play, I think, every position in the infield. And, Jimmy, I think kind of an important thing to know, and this is the rude part to Brad Miller, when the troops start coming back, Brad Miller's a guy you can move on from and not feel bad about it. That's what I was saying about, like, 
we can't yeah. really trade for a guy because once the troops come back and we're healthy, then you like you have to get rid of this guy somehow. And this kind of makes sense. The Yankees also announced, and and this may we may have more clarification on this after the fact. Like while you're listening, you guys may know more than us talking right. about Johnny Lasagna getting called up to start tomorrow. Lasagna's going to start Tuesday. Herman's going to start Wednesday. Sabathia Thursday. Tanaka Friday. Paxton Hat. Uh, that was from Coley Harvey an hour ago. Um, so I what guess, does that mean? Did they did they push Tanaka? Who'd they push? Anyone? Everyone. Everyone's just going to get. So they pushed everyone. Okay. Everyone. I didn't know if it was someone in particular. So it's a six-man rotation for one time through, which I don't know. I'm not that upset about unless Lasagna goes like, can't make it out of the second inning or third inning again, and then it's we're fucked, and we have to use the entire bullpen. Yeah, I think I think they were like like we like we've been saying, we're in uncharted waters. Baseball teams don't go through this. There's not a GM playbook that's like, oh, you got 13 guys on the DL. Well, here's what you got to do. So I think the Yankees are kind of figuring this out as they go. And I think they called Tyro Estrada up because he was the only guy left on the 40-man. <laughs> so they called him up. He lays down an incredible bunt. Um, but now I think they have the game plan, and it was, okay, you know, Gary comes back Wednesday, so we're going to swap out him for one of the catchers. Sure, fine. Um, Tyro Estrada basically has no business being on the big league team, so I think what they're saying is they're going to bring up Lasagna, use him for a day, because you might as well just use him to use him. And then they'll end up bringing in Miller so he can be the body out there. So it's basically they're getting free however many innings they can get from Johnny Lasagna. Knock on wood for five. I think even a clean four would be fine with. Uh, we'll, we'll see where it ends up landing. Who's going after Lasagna? Tell me again. Lasagna, Herman, Sabathia, Tanaka, Paxton Hap. So I mean, if if Lasagna needs a lot of bullpen help, Herman better give you a game because CC only goes five. Yeah, I mean you you've got a potential there for a lot of bullpen getting used. So um, I mean CC's looked great. We we really shouldn't pin too much on him so far. Knock on wood. Um, but yeah, that that could be interesting. And who who knows, man? Who who knows what other moves they might have to do to dance around this kind of unique situation they're in right now? Yeah, that's true. All right, let's go straight into voicemails. We got a bunch. Yes. All right, here we go. Here's the first one. Hi, this is Connor from Buffalo. Uh, I was calling for a little fun thing about Clint Frazier that you guys won't notice because of uh, Jimmy's hatred of shoes and his biggest fear. I'm talking about shoes, but Clint Frazier's shoes are really cool. Me and my brother both love baseball and sneakers, and the way Clint does his sneakers with the uh, cleat, uh, cleat something, I forgot what it's called, but cleats. he makes his own cleats out of Jordans, and I just think it's really cool. Jake and I were there for the birth of this. Yeah. We were there when he walked out. We were there when he was at spring training, and he came to practice in just sneakers without the cleats on the bottom and got in yeah. trouble for it. And he was asking, I heard him ask Lindsay Adler and Coley Harvey, do you know a way to put cleats on the bottom of sneakers? And they said, yeah, there's a guy that does it. So I was there at the moment. Like I witnessed the moment the happen. Birth. The birth we were, sitting, of it. we were sitting front row. Anyway, I, I think it's cool. 
I'm not a sneakerhead. Is that even the term they use still? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't care. As long as they work and they function exactly how baseball cleats are supposed to function and they don't give them any problems, have your fun, Clint. Yeah, I think I think it's very cool. Um, cleats, we've obviously seen this picking up in every sport. Basketball owned the shoe game for a while. We've seen the football cleats start to get cool when, when they do the different events in the NFL. Um, yeah, I mean, this this is the definition of Clint. It is really cool, especially when you're mashing. Um, I will say this. If there were to be a Zion Williamson-type moment, because these shoes weren't built to be cleats, um, like, it would be the most Clint moment ever. Like, like if he were to go into second base and then his his foot were to come out the side of a shoe because it wasn't meant to play baseball in... It would be the biggest egg on your face ever. For right now, with the way he's playing and bringing the shoes into the game of baseball, it's cool. Baseball needs more stuff like this. Yeah. And, I yeah. mean, if, if it gets Clint in a happier place and he plays better in a happier place, I don't care. Knock it out of the park. Some people were tweeting out pictures of Clint when he had uh, long hair and, like, facial hair, saying, like, let, let him be, you know? But right. he looked gross so i am glad for the grooming standards there clint looks like a nice cleaned up dude now yeah he's he's yeah he's been killing it yeah all right next voicemail is about clint we got a lot of clint voicemails hey guys this is jen calling from dallas um i'm just calling all right so it is wednesday we just beat the socks pretty bad last night talkman had a big game question when Everyone's healthy. When we have Hicks, Giancarlo back, and Frazier's been looking great, what exactly are we going to do as far as Frazier and Gardner goes? Like, I know we're not big on playing who's hot, but, like, I feel like that's one of those situations you kind of have to. Um, who really knows? But, and obviously, that's going to be a little bit always still, but... I'd love to see Clint get a shot, but I'm a huge Gardner fan. My boyfriend and I have been going back and forth about this. I just want to know what you think. Thanks, guys. All right. I mean, this is a loaded question because are we ever going to be fully healthy? Are Hicks, Stanton, Gardner, Clint, Talkman? Judge. Judge. Are they Judge ever? The biggest cue. Are they ever all going to be healthy at the same time, Jake? I mean, at this point, that wouldn't happen until, like, best case, what, mid-July? Late July. Late, okay. We'll, <laughs> we'll make it late July, then. With Judge? It's like, I mean, I know, it's I really know. August. <laughs> but. It's, it's, a, it's a little detail, but best case scenario. So let, let's just play, let's play in this world. We, we know it's a while out, but let's, for the fun of it, let's play in this world. What, what do you think would happen? Judges in right field, Hicks is in center field, Stanton, Gardner, and Clint are on the roster, and Gardner and Clint platoon until Clint demands otherwise. Okay. What are you doing with Mikey T? Oh, I mean, he's, he's down in AAA. He's got options. What if he's, like, raking? Trade him for whatever we need at the deadline. Okay. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of where your answer lies. I mean, 
it's insane to think about, but if everyone were to come back healthy and be ready to go, um, I think I think Yankee fans don't. A lot of Yankee fans don't want to hear this in their hearts, but I mean, Brett Gardner's not going anywhere. This this season doesn't end with Brett Gardner getting traded or DFA'd. A he's a ten five guy, so you can't trade him even if you wanted to, and that you're not just going to DFA and let Gardy walk. Um, so yeah, it would basically turn into a Clint Frazier versus Mike Talkman death match. Uh, to, to see who's better, and yeah, if, if they were, it'd basically be, <laughs> well, what can we get for these guys? Yeah. So, I mean, that's how I think it plays out, but I, I think the scenario where they're all healthy is not going to happen. I mean, like we always say, it figures itself out. I've... It, it, and like it totally is gonna figure itself out. That's why. That's why I think we can have fun doing this. How about how about this, Jim? How about a here's a mid-April hail mary. What if all of them are healthy and hitting well? You think you could throw a first base glove on Mikey T? Have him be our lefty first base option? I don't know. I'm j- I'm just trying to get into the craziest scenario I can think of right now. Insane that you're trying to throw a scenario out there where we're trying to force Mikey Talkman onto the roster. You're insane. <laughs> <laughs> Cream Sherry, you're insane. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see when that happens. <laughs> it's fun to think about, but I, don't, I think it will work itself out. How about this? Here's Jakey positive spin. It's nuts that we can even think about that in a positive light right now. Yeah. All right, next. Hey, what's up? This is John from Iowa calling for Talking Yanks. Maybe a question for Katie Sharp, Katie Stats, whatever. Um, my question is, is there stats on if all these pitchers that hit players after they flip a bat on them, um, are these guys good pitchers? I kind of have this little theory that all these guys that are punk and hitters are kind of the bottom tier pitchers with high ERAs and they got nothing else to do but hit batters and all the good pitchers just go out there and get them out. So, if you have any answers to this, that'd be awesome. Love what you guys do. Thank you. All right. Thanks, John. I think this is an interesting question. We were talking about it with Katie when we recorded Sharp Stats. It's 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 hard to figure out, but I think I know how to figure out how to get a, a gist of it, Jake. And yeah. it's you go find pitchers that get suspended for throwing at people because that means the league thought it was intentional. So like Keller, CC. Right. Last year, you go find those pitchers and you decide if they're a bum or not. I don't know how to. I don't know how to find that list. If someone's got a lot of free time at their nine to five and they want to go to uh, like prosportstransactions.com and find the list of pitchers in the last couple of years that have been suspended for throwing at someone, then we can come to a somewhat conclusive thing. Yeah, we we don't have the full evidence. I know you were looking at the hit by pitch leaders from last year, and you you know you had some Giolitos and some guys that weren't great, but you also had I think Chris Sale was on that list. Um, I think Cece was up there. You, you had some good names, so I I think the I like this theory. There is some fun to it, but I think the one thing we are missing is the quote unquote unwritten rules. Like Cece Sabathia is going to be a Hall of Famer. He had his bonus kind of on the line, but not really. And he still threw at that guy on Tampa because that's the unwritten rule. 
Well, the hit by pitch rule thing, like Giolito was the only true bum on there. All the others were pretty good pitchers, and it's because they pitch inside without concern. So they're going to hit some guys every now and then. Right, and it's not perfect because we don't know if it's just retaliating or guys that throw two seamers that go in on batters. So yeah, so we'll, you'd, uh, we'll, you'd have we'll to find have, the we'll suspension. Have some, we'll have our research team get on it. Yeah, which is whoever volunteers. Which could be which could be you if you go research it right now. Could be you. Could be you. Find the suspended guys. Decide if they're bums or not. I think yeah. it's interesting, like because uh, Padilla and Teixeira, Padilla was a bum. Right. He he had some decent years in his past, but. When he started hitting guys, he was just mad and frustrated. Yeah, angry. Yeah. I like the theory. Yeah, it's Next. not bad. It could, it could be right. We, we haven't dispelled it. Hey, what's up, John Boy and Jake? Calling for Talking Yanks. Just had a Greg Bird question. Uh, could be a, a Katie Sharp question. Maybe not. Uh, your call. But I'm uh, just wondering what uh, the analytic guys, the nerds, Brian Cashman still, still sees in him. I mean, it's kind of convenient that he got injured because he really wasn't playing well. Um, it's been a while since uh, since he has, and he really hasn't put it together for more than about a month or so. Uh, so maybe there's some analytical stuff there. Maybe there's some uh, stats that I'm not seeing that he is. But uh, you all have a good day, and thanks uh, for listening. What do the Yankees see in Bird? I don't know what they see in him right now, but it wasn't hard to see what they saw in him, you know, at 2017 before the injuries all happened. Like in 2015, when the minor league system was Gary Sanchez, Aaron Judge, Greg Bird, uh, who else was down there? Jorge Mateo was down there. He's a bust, Mm. but he was a big name. Greg Bird was said to have the nicest swing out of anyone, the purest Hitter, not home run, just a pure swing. And if you ever see a slow-mo of him hitting a fastball when he when he was on, it's beautiful. It's like the most prettiest swing out there. It's it's smooth and great. He he's since the injury, he hasn't been able to hit a fastball, basically. Correct. And he looks very bad. So I don't know what they see in him now. I think they see that potential and it's definitely waning. And I think he needs to find his legs or find himself. but And he controls the zone well. If you read the Baby Bombers book by Brian Hoke, they really liked his demeanor, how calm he is, which is what the fan base is starting to hate him for because he has no reactions, never smiles. That's what uh, Cashman quoted as loving about him. Like he made a diving catch and just ran back to the dugout because he was like calm and cool collected. Yeah, he almost, he almost has Boone's demeanor, right? <laughs> like yeah. he's got he's got that laid back West Coast almost Cali vibe from Colorado. Shout out. Um Yeah, I mean, you know, watch the Andrew Miller home run, watch anything from 2015 before the the baby Yanks started taking off. Um and he he's had some just some of the oddest injuries you'll ever hear. And I, I know even people hearing those words, they don't want to hear it anymore. And I get it. Like, at a certain point, injuries are injuries. Um, and I think the bigger thing there, which, Jim, I, I've, I've got a little theory brewing, but I don't have enough evidence yet. I think from 2015 till now, there's so many guys that throw harder. And Greg Bird has really struggled with fastballs that are 95-plus. And I think that is the full scouting report on him right now. 
Um, so unless he can adjust to that and show that he can hit those, um, I think he's going to be in a really tough spot. Yep. Yeah. So I don't. I mean, I don't know if the Yankees even see anything in in, in him anymore. It's. But at one point, that's the. It was good. I mean, at at, at one point, at the stadium in Tampa, I think it's still up. Greg Bird is on the outside of the Tampa stadium. A giant picture. It's him, Gary, and Judge. So, I mean, that's where they believed in this guy after 2015. So, um, it's been a pretty steep fall in three years because of injuries and poor play. But, um, I mean, it's gotten to the point. It's it's kind of my stance where we are with injuries right now. Like, Greg Bird, at some point, whether it's AAA or Major League level, you have to show us something now. Like, I, I can't defend you until you show us it again. You know, that's it. And next. Hey, guys, it's Matt. Uh, Just finished watching that seventh inning on Thursday against the Royals. Um, And the thought crossed my mind. The holder, obviously, hasn't been so far this year what he was last year. And Sessa, as crazy as it sounds, given what he used to be, has looked really good. At some point, could we expect maybe him to overtake holder? in uh, the bullpen order and, you know, like Boone's, who Boone trusts, because I don't see it right now from Holder. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I think that Holder's been demoted. I hope. We'll see. You know how the Boone and crew and love to stick to these guys last year with Shreve and then Cole. I think Chad's going to see less high leverage innings. Canely's going to see a lot more. And I, I, I dabble with Sessa for one inning. I dabble. I'm more into just playing the hot hand in the bullpen on those guys, like Otto Britton, Chapman, Batances. They're golden. They have their spots. They're allowed struggles and to get the ball every day. Yeah, and I, I think what we're going to see, um, as you mentioned, I mean, the holder stuff was bizarre. The innings holder was getting. Uh, he had the highest leverage innings, which was just kind of odd. Um, he clearly hasn't been fully right this year. A couple, a couple of those performances were in his second inning. He got touched up. We'll see if that changes. Uh, he had the one bad defense game, but Hol- Holder hasn't been good. Chad has been equally as bad, if not worse. Um, I mean, they you have to earn it in the bullpen. It's what have you done for me lately? Um, so I, I think Sess is currently over them. The problem is Sess is still stretched out, and we've we've got a Johnny Lasagna start and a CC start. I mean, Sessa being able to pitch three, four innings. Oh, Sessa's going to get the tail end of Johnny Lasagna and get like three or four innings again. You'd assume so, um, but they could also be. I mean, CC's pitch count is probably going to be up to what ninety for the next game. Yeah, if that. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's he doesn't get the third time through the order usually, and no matter what. Exactly. So, uh, to, if Lasagna can put something together, maybe they try not to. But uh, I think Sess is currently in higher standing than Holder and Chad. Um, but they need him for a slightly different role, depending on how how a week or how a game of baseball plays out. All right. Next. Hey guys, what's going on? So I'm watching the game right now. Glaber's uh, home run just got called an out. They said the guy interfered. Uh, Booney went nuts, and rightfully so, going after the umpires. But, you know, you can't really argue with them. They're not the ones who made the call. Uh, what do you guys think? I think 
that managers should be able to get on the headset and start yelling at the booth in New York and getting on those guys in a case like this because that's just a horrible call. And, you know, no point in yelling at the guys on the field. They didn't make the call. Uh, thanks, guys. Put, Bo- put Boone there. Get the headset in. Get the broadcast with the live feed to Boone and the replay guy in New York's conversation. Boone will say, there's no fucking way he's catching that fucking ball. And actually, Aaron, um, the rule states that and he's like, fuck you. Well, no, Aaron, the rule states that, you know, it'd be good entertainment. Yeah, I mean, release that to the public. That's just good audio. Just um, a video of Boone just screaming into a headset. Like, he doesn't have the ears on. He's just screaming into the ears, <laughs> holding yeah. them in both hands. <laughs> I like that. I mean, even even the umpires on the field can't talk to them. They're just listening. Uh, so there, there's no back and forth. People did love it. It's kind of hilarious because Booney's clearly just throwing a scene to throw a scene. But I do think you, you should do that once every other month just to keep people on your toes. Um, that call sucked. And you and I talked about it on the main pod, Jim. And it, it's kind of there's not a perfect solution. Because we don't have an ant- the the solution is for fans not to reach over, but human error. Um, I don't know. The only thing that really bothered me about the replay, besides their decision, um, it did take a while. Like I, I think they need to put like a 60, 90 second timer on it, and if you can't make a decision in that time period, like call it what it is on the field. That's kind of tough. I, I don't I, I don't care about the time. I mean, it does suck, but get it get it right. See I mean, angle. try to get it right, but if it's one of those plays that... I mean, we saw that same replay, what, three times? And there's no new information. But but I may have a different opinion than you, so they're going over it all as well. Right. Yeah. So does everyone. But the replay doesn't change. So, but I, mean, I mean, make a move. If there's, if there's a lot of angles, make sure you watch every angle, because one might show you something different. I mean, they showed them within the first minute, and it was kind of all the same stuff. You only saw Yes Network. They got the other angles to go through and then MLB's cameras as well. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of stuff to watch. Boone even said, I wanted to get the audio. Boone said, like, I know the umps on the field don't have any say, but I just needed to let someone know I was bullshit. Right. This is a very important question coming up. Hey, guys. So I wanted to talk about something that I don't think you guys have ever talked about, which is dip so do you guys think that like the clubhouse like supplies the dip like it's just there ready whatever flavor you want or do you think that there's like a player who is like he's like the dip guy and you just if you want to dip you just go up to him because dj lemayhew and i don't think in the last three weeks the season's been going i don't think i've seen him without a dip who do you, who do you think's like the dip supplier in the clubhouse Thanks, guys. See ya. Woo, woo, woo. And that is your Diamond Baseball Tours voicemail of the episode. Why don't you dip into their website, www.diamondbaseballtours.com. They do awesome tours. A baseball fan's dream. They got a West Coast one. They got a Rocky Mountains one. They go to Omaha. The big one they've been pushing because we're Yankee fans is they do the Hall of Fame tour. You go to Yankee Stadium. I think you go to the Philly Stadium. You go to Fenway. You end up at the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. This year, Mariano Rivera gets inducted into the Hall of Fame. Go check out their website. Again, 
DiamondBaseballTours.com. Send them a message. The guy's awesome. He's he's really cool. He went to Moorhead State. Kenneth Fareed, shout out. Send him an email about Moorhead State. Go check out the website. It's really cool. If you know any baseball fan, they'll be a huge fan of it, and they'll love it. And they give you a, a tin for everyone that signs up. Every, they supply so we, the dip. I could talk to the guy, and he could hook you up with a couple fat gongers if you go on the road trip. <laughs> Who do you think supplies? If it had to be a teammate that supplied it, it'd be Gardy. Uh, I see yes him taking no. it. I see him taking it very serious. Like, don't do right. pouches in front of Gardy. Don't even think about handing Gardy dip that's the pouches. So I've got a really good story about that, Jim. Um, and I'll, I'll try to keep it high and tight, but this is a good one. So me and our buddy Rob, Meathead Rob, where uh, when I used to travel for work, um, I was down in the south, and Alabama had a game that weekend. So our buddy Rob's a pharmacist. He has a weekend off. I'm like, yo, Bob, shoot down. We'll stay the weekend. We'll go to a Bama game. Oh, yeah, he's all hyped up. So he meets me in Ole Miss because I was doing some work down there, and we're driving to Bama. So it's like a three-and-a-half-hour drive or whatever it is. So we're like, we're, we're being meatheads. We're in the south. We're like, hey, let's get some dip. So we pull into a gas station, and it was a gas station in the south. It was, um, you know, tough woman kind of behind the desk. So big, and he's like 6'2", 240, roped up. He walks up, and he goes, hey, can we have some peach pouches? She comes back with regular uncut skull. And that's exactly what Brett Gardner would do. Peach pouches. You would walk up to Gardy and you would say, yeah, I think I'm into this. And he would just give you, he would give you like his own, his own dip that he's, he grows in his backyard. Homemade. Like, you're going to, you're going to like this. Romine would walk by and say, that's good stuff. It is bizarre. And it's funny. This person mentioned it about LeMahieu, but Mike Ford has been playing with a, a fat honker in his mouth. And you brought it to my attention that it's it's supposed to be fully banned if you weren't grandfathered in. Yeah, in 2016, all smokeless tobacco was banned for all new major league players. If you're already in the league, you got grandfathered in. Maybe if you were in the minors, you got grandfathered in. But I think technically Mike Ford can't. I doubt it's that strict. Uh, a 2015 study said that 37% of major league, or play, major league players and coaches were smokeless tobacco users which was a significant drop from right. earlier years. So, Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things with baseball that they're not going to raise a big stink about it because they just want the best product on the field. Like, imagine if Trout dipped and he was like, I'm not going to play if I can't dip. <laughs> like, that would be a nightmare for baseball. Voight does seeds and gum. Like, they showed Voight throw a bunch of seeds in his mouth, chew them up, spit them out, and then put gum in his mouth. Now the gum's got seed bits all over it. Full-blown party in there. <laughs> Not, he's he might got, have some dip in there, too. dip in there, too. Yeah, of course he does. Just chewing. He's got a cup in there. They play the, the office game where they see if Creed eats the apple. They just throw random stuff into Voight's, like, mouth pile. The real answer is a clubby. Like, they have clubhouse attendants who yeah. just get them whatever they want. Yeah. That's the real answer. But. And go. And next. Hey, John Boy Jake. It's Eli from upstate. 
look, just watch the game. I know Judge is probably going to go to the I.L., but I'm kind of sick and tired of the negativity from the Yankees team and players getting hurt. So on a positive note, I just want to say I'm super pumped that Clint, number 77, is getting his hits. He's hitting home runs. He's raking. He's a probably a top 25 hitter right now. And I know people are ragging on him for his defense, but he actually had a really nice throw, got the guy out at home from like 250 feet. So that's a plus. Um, just trying to look on the bright side. And I'm glad that he's actually healthy this year. You know, maybe he's going to be a, a long-time player on the Yankees. But anyway, just wanted to get my positivity of uh, Clint out there. And happy Easter, guys. Later. Simple as that. Positivity about Clint. Happy Easter. See you later. You got anything to add? Happy Easter. Happy happy past Easter. Oh, sorry about that. I was just drinking out of my dugout mug. Ooh. Anyways, what up, wow. Yank? This is Mike from Monmouth County again, and uh, I have a fun little question here. Do you think there's a side group chat with just the quote-unquote popular popular players on the team? And if so, who do you think is in it? I was probably thinking it would start off with like Judge and Blair, but I don't know who else would be in it. Let me know what you guys think. Love the show. Thanks. Yankees group chat. Do you think it's by position? Like, do you think all the relievers are in a group chat? But Chapman, they left Chapman out, and they're like, you wouldn't want to be in here anyway. There's there's two relievers group chat. There's one with everyone. There's one with Chapman. Um, and that's just how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, infield, I'd say not the same thing. Um, so injuries aside, normally the, the guys you want to be in, the, the number one and two you want to be in a group chat with are Judge and Didi. Yeah. Those guys run the group chat world. Yeah, but I think Clinton Wade think they run it. They want to be in every group chat they can be a part of. Even the non-English ones. Yes. Wade's in yeah. a group chat with Andujar, Glaber, now Urshela, Gary, and they just shit talk Wade in Spanish. And Wade's like, what are you guys saying? Never know what you guys are talking about. Come on. Do the English. Mike talking. Wade copies and pastes everything into Google Translate and then and then writes back something in English, cop, puts it in Google Translate into Spanish and sends it back. But they know that he's doing it. So they always do like one simple spelling error. So Google Translate fucks up and they're just messing with Wade nonstop. Talkman got added to his first group chat yesterday. And it was like huge. After, mo- after was, the game yesterday, on the plane ride, on the plane yeah. ride, he was sitting next to Clint, and Clint's like, "Oh, everyone's going to this bar as soon as we land to just have a drink." And Talkin's like, "How'd you know that?" And yeah. Clint's like, "Ah, oh, shit." All and right, I, I'll add you to the chat. Know how we've been trying to figure out what Talkman was about, like his game, even his personality. We just had no idea in the first two weeks. He's and now the stories come out that he intercepted Garoppolo, but it makes. He's such a football guy. It makes sense. He walks like a free safety. He's almost a little hunched. He walks like a safety about to make a play. He's definitely, there's a football chat forming that's him, Voight, Canely. Am I missing anyone? Maybe they add Romine and he's like, I don't really want to be in here, but I get it. Like this is, this is a kind of a meathead chat a little bit. No, Romine's out of that chat, man. Romine, Romine left the chat. Romine's out of all chats. He's kind of like 
Austin Romine has left this chat. The only thing, popular... Aust- yeah, the only yeah. thing Austin Romine has ever sent into one of the Yankees group chats is, "Yo, take me out of this chat." Yeah, please don't add me to the chat. Gardner has a cell phone that doesn't even allow group chats. Yeah, he's got the flip phone that doesn't get any chats. He's still hitting up T nine. He's crushing it. So good at T nine. I could CC's a low key big group chat guy. He's in all the chats. He never responds. He's got a but he reads. But when he texts you, he demands a response. Oh yeah, he never respond, but he'll he's, read everything. He's in a TV show group chat. He's in the movie group chat. He's probably in the football group chat just because he wants to be there. Yeah. Um, C- I'd say CC might be in the most group chats, but with the least participation. Yeah, he's a floater. Yeah. Like I'm here. Know that I'm here. Uh-huh. But I'm not just I'm not doing this. Tanaka and Higashioka are in one. It's nice. Because Taka Tanaka thought Higashioka could read and write in Japanese. So he thought he was doing a favor. Now Higashioka just studies Japanese like crazy. Just because he didn't want to let Tanaka know he can speak a little, but he can't read or write. So this is gonna be kind of fun. What's the most boring group chat? It starts with Happ and Paxton. Clinton Wade. Just Clinton uh, You've got Wade's... a different definition of boring. Clinton Wade are just sending each other like gifts and memes. Like it's the most surface level bad humor group chat going. Right, but that's... Sending I, that's each other not, J. Cole lyrics and shit. That's not boring though. I mean, I'm... I'm happen, happen Paxton are sending like a... Uh, Oh, just just grilled up some fish. <laughs> like, oh. Maybe Chad's in there. No, Chad's not in it. Chad's not in any chat. That's that's sad. Chad's got taken out of the chats already? No, no, no. He's in no. the bullpen chat. He's in the bullpen chat. He rarely, rarely talks in it. Know who's low key in a lot of chats too? I think Sessa. I think Sessa's well liked. Maybe. I think so. Okay, we've we've done enough. Let's We're move done. on. We we killed the g- group chat section. Hey guys, Andrew from Mel's Kitchen. Today's April twenty first, which is my birthday. I also want this to be the day that Happy Jonathan birthday. Holder went absolutely insane last year. Had like a bunch of appearances without giving up a run. His last couple appearances were legitimately bad, but I still think there's some bad luck there. A lot of ground balls becoming hits. His pitch mix hasn't really changed, except for what's considered a slider and a cutter, and. uh the guy I'm worried about, though, is Chad Green. I don't know if he needs to pump more fastballs because his fastballs are down. I don't know if he needs to uh, just get better off-speed pitches. I don't know if he's fucked. What are your thoughts? Well, Andrew, thank you for calling in because that is a perfect transition out of the voicemails and into sharp stats because the first thing we talk about with Katie is Chad Green. So let's go right to that. Here you go. All right, time for Sharp Stats with Katie Sharp. Time to sharpen our minds, get smart, find out why the things that are happening in front of us are happening. Last week, we found out about HAPS issues, talked about a lot of other stuff. We got some more pressing stuff as the season goes on. First off, Katie, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, yeah. It's a great way to start off the week. We got some night games tonight. 
doing the late West Coast uh, swing. This should be fun for all those night owls. <laughs> Are you? Do you stay up? Do you stay up till one a.m.? Are you part of the I, crazy I I, crew? I do. I try to stay up uh, just because I can't go to sleep, uh, no, not knowing you know what <laughs> happened. It just it kills me. I, I mean, I, I don't think I'd be able to sleep. Um, so I mean, I remember you know back in the day when I was a kid, and I would, and you know, my parents would always tell me to go to sleep, and I would sneak the radio into my room. <laughs> and uh and start listening there um so yeah That's great. i just uh yeah i was asking I my dad know. i was asking my dad if he was going to stay up and he was like well it's either i don't watch anything or i stay up all night because if i watch you know i'm not gonna be able to fall asleep once i start watching oh yeah absolutely you know that's that's definitely the rule yeah i've always stayed up but it's crazy I call them Kankasaur games because I get Kankasaurs when I don't sleep enough. And then I just. Ah, really? Mouthful of shit. <laughs> thanks, thanks for sharing that. You're yeah. welcome. Is, yeah. it, is it dinner time? <laughs> just about dinner time now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have some things we want to talk about. We ironed it out. And uh, I, I decided that Chad Green is the biggest issue. The bullpen's the biggest issue. But uh, on my Twitter feed, Chad Green is getting the most. I'd say hate right now and kind of frustration and what the hell is going on. It's so early. It's very early, but his numbers are gaudy in a bad way. Like his numbers are alarming. So do you have any, what do you have on us? What do you have on Chad green in the bullpen for us? Yeah. Then the, the numbers are really hard to look at for green. Um, especially cause we, we've seen him have so much success in the past. Um, I mean, he had that tremendous breakout season in 2017 and, and last year, you know, dipped a little, but still was, a, was definitely an above average, uh, reliever. Um, but, uh, but this year it's just, it's really hard to watch him on the mound. I mean, you just get, you get nervous watching him. At least I do. Um, first I just kind of want to throw out this, some of the bullpen stats that we have, uh, so far this season and, and granted it's early. Um, but to me, the bullpen is just is the biggest black hole right now. They're actually trending um, trending pretty well on offense above last year. The rate stats and, and the starters have been have been excellent um, past couple of weeks through the rotation. But this bullpen, which was everyone had touted as you know going to be his, a, a historic bullpen and is supposedly one of the most elite units in the league, um, at least according to the projections has been pretty much, you know, average, middle of the pack. Uh, they're 15th in ERA, they're 13th in walk rate, and, and 16th in whip. Um, and those are those are three key metrics for me in terms of bullpen. Um, if you're just kind of looking at the basic rate stats, you know, as a bullpen, you, you want to keep guys off base and you want to keep runners off, I mean, and runs off the board. Um, but the numbers, they get even worse kind of when you look at, some of the win probability stats and that's, you know, how much are you increasing or decreasing your team's percentage chance of winning? And uh, frankly, with the bullpen, you know, that's, that's sort of, that's sort of the idea. You know, you are the linchpin there on the end of the game. Um, So these are the, these are the ugliest numbers to me in terms of for the bullpen. It's they are sixth in meltdowns. So the sixth most meltdowns and a meltdown. I think we talked about this maybe uh, last week. Um, it's this, it's uh, basically a fan graph stat. 
it says that you uh, decreased your chance, your team's chances of winning by at least 6% during the appearance. So you don't want to have a lot of those uh, during the season. No. Um, who's and, who's leading or who's the worst in meltdown? Uh, Just to make me feel better. Oh, and for the, uh, for the majors, that? I think it's the Royals. I, I don't have it up right now, but right, well, I, I'm pretty Royals, sure it's the Royals. Well, Aha. we'll just call it the Royals. Aha. Better than, better Royal, than the oh, Royals. No. Yes, better than the Royals. Um, and then they are uh, they are seventh in uh, inherited runners score uh, scoring percentage. So seventh highest. That's that's bad. So forty two percent of the inherited runners that that uh, the relievers have inherited uh, from the stars from whoever uh, have scored. And the league average is about 30, 33%. Yeah. Have I um, talked to you about my inherited runners stat that I think needs to be mainstream? No. Like I, Bring it re- on. Relievers get off the hook for allowing inherited runners because in like the mainstream stats, it's way too easy. It doesn't go into the yeah. ERA. It, it's hard to find on fan graphs and baseball reference. It needs to be like part of the equation. That's their job. Like their job is to come be firemen. And I don't know, like in the in football, they have half sacks. I want those runs to be like half earned runs for the reliever. And the other thing, like Ottavino came in the other day. He threw a pitch off the bat. The batter hit a home run. But one of those runs that scores doesn't count for him. It just counts for Chad. But dude gave up a home run. So like I've always wanted, and Jake and I have gone back and forth a lot. I want inherited runners to count more in the forefront for relievers because they get excused all the time. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think it's probably one of the most important stats to look at, at least in terms of middle relievers, you know, maybe not yeah. your closer because your closer is usually coming in on a clean inning, but for, for middle relievers and setup guys, um, it's absolutely should be more prominent. Uh, you can, you can find it, you know, it's, it's published in places. It's just, it's not, I don't think, I think that, you know, it, it's, it's not as prominent in terms of what, you know, broadcasters or announcers or, mm-hmm, or, exactly. uh, or the, the mainstream looks at. So I'll, I'm with you there. Um, so back to this bullpen. Uh, yeah. So those are some of the, uh, the scary numbers. Um, and uh, not surprisingly, Chad Green has contributed a lot to those numbers. Uh, we all know kind of the ERA is, I mean, it, at this point, it's like, you know, it's absurd to look at. But uh, in seven and a third innings, nine appearances, he has a 12-27 ERA. I don't even know where that ranks. It's whatever. Um, bad. Bad, <laughs> yes. But, I mean, some of these things are he's allowed at least one base runner in eight of nine games, at least one run in five of nine games. And – this is kind of the the most bizarre one is that he's already had three appearances this season with less than an inning pitched and multiple runs allowed. So basically blow ups, you know, implosions, uh, like real implosions. And he only had one of those in his entire career before this year. Wow. So this is sort of really, I mean, this is out of the ordinary. Um, and then he has, he has contributed uh, five of those um, meltdowns that I told you about. Katie, five, when, of, uh, five of 16. So, yeah. When I mean, when do we do we have the yellow raised flag right now? Do we have a red flag raised? Because, I mean, 
I, I've got Chad Green's baseball reference page in front of me in 2017, which was, I mean, an incredible year, an incredible year, and you can't necessarily use that as the mean. But in 69 innings that 2017 year, Chad Green gave up four home runs. He had 103 strikeouts. He gave up 14 earned runs all year. We're 7.1 innings in. He's already given up 10 earned runs, and he's given up three homers. Is this... I mean, can we chalk it up to this is a little bit of baseball and a and a and a bad start, and this is what it is, or do we need to take another step back? When I mean, his strikeout rate got worse last year, and and I mean, a lot of his numbers got worse last year, but they almost had to because he did have such a special 2017. And that's you know, this is that's a that's a really good point. You know, I you know, pointing out all, all the, the all those numbers, um, and uh, there is. There are a lot of things that are the same with him as last year, but at the same time, there is definitely reason for concern. I'm, I just want to point out a few things with him. As you mentioned, you know, all of his peripherals are basically trending in the wrong direction. You know, strikeout rate down, walk rate is way up, homer rate is way up. Um, and, and that's not surprising given his results. Um, but if you kind of dig a little bit under the hood, the biggest thing that the biggest change from last year, well, there, there's three, there's a, there's a couple things you know about Chad Green. One is that he's going to throw a lot of fastballs, right? And the other is that he's going to mostly pitch in the zone. You know, he, he tends to, he has a rising fastball, so he pitches up in the zone a little bit, but he's not trying to fool batters with a ton of sliders out of the zone and getting them to chase. Um, he, he just likes to attack pitchers in the zone and, and say, hey, this is my fastball. Try and hit it if you can. Um, and in the past, you know, that had worked for him. Uh, but this year, there's been a, a significant decline in, in that ability. And, and one thing is that uh, his fastball is down about a mile, a mile and a half from last year, his fastball velocity, four-seamer. And even if you just look at April, it's still down a full mile, a full mile per hour. So this is not, you know, kind of just like doesn't seem to be at least, you know, building up arm strength. Um, so you have the velocity decrease at the same time, you don't really have any change in any of the other kind of stuff on his fastball. Like the spin rate's the same. The movement seems to be the same. Um, his release points are fairly steady and, and his location is even the same. You know, he's still got that rising fastball that's going a little bit up in the zone, but he's, he's, you know, he's pitching in the zone at the same time. Um, and for whatever reason, batters just are not getting fooled on that fastball. Uh, and I don't know. I think, you know, the one kind of easy explanation is that maybe they've caught up to him because he has been so reliant on that single pitch. Uh, he throws it, you know, last year threw it over 80% of the time. This year it's about 72%, uh, which is a very, uh, you know, a really high percentage. Um, and, but on that fastball, the whiff rate is down about 10 percentage points. And really more concerning is that, you know, kind of they're, they're, they're not swinging as much at the fastball. And when they do, they're making a ton more contact mm -hmm. in the zone. Um, so he's always had this above average whiff rate on fastballs in the zone. And that's, you know, basically what got him to be such a good reliever. He was able to attack guys. Um, so league average is about 13% on uh, whiff rate on fastballs in the zone. At his peak, he was at about 20%. Uh, last year, 
trended down to about 17, 16%. This year is 12%. So hmm. batters are just, they're simply squaring up. They're making a lot more contact on his pitches. Um, and the results have been absolutely horrible. I mean, he is in the bottom 10% of the league in basically every bad stat, slugging percentage, WOVA, batting average that you can imagine. And uh, the same with, you know, if you look at his expected statistics, we've talked about those in the past um, that combine hard hit rate and uh, exit, uh, hard hit rate, exit velocity and launch angle to kind of predict what the batted ball should be doing. And those are horrible as well, uh, among the worst in the league. Um, so right now, there is not a lot of good things to say about Chad Green, uh, except for the fact that, you know, the movement, the spin rate, all that stuff has, is the same. Uh, the only difference in the uh, kind of the shape of the pitches seems to be his velocity. So if we say, uh, let's try and try and positive spin it. If we say that he gets the velocity back as the weather warms and goes back to hitting, because he was only, he was hitting like 96, right? Mm-hmm. At his top. So it was still more of the, like Coney likes to say, the jackrabbit. It was the spin rate. And you're saying that that's still there. That's good. I know that in 2017, when he went to the pen, the Yankees told him to scrap his change up entirely. And he was fastball slider only in 17. He lost his slider in 2018. And in the Boston Massacre series, he decided, I'm going to bring my change up back. And that's going to be my secondary pitch. And from the rest of 2018, the change up was a secondary pitch. He's using both a little now. And as you said, everyone's favorite thing to comment is, he needs to learn a new pitch, but his fastball percentage is actually down from last year's 87. Now it's 70. The problem is I think he uses his secondary pitches, the slider and the changeup as chase pitches and hitters are basically saying, don't offer at anything unless you're 100% positive. It's a fastball. So that's why the only time they're swinging is that fastballs that they know are fastballs in the zone. And they're, 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 you know, just roping it hard, hard contact rate and all that stuff. So what if the solution is he's got to start dropping sliders and changeups early in counts for strike one strike two, um, where they, they read change up and just don't swing. And now it's a strike, a called strike. That's my philosophy there. I just pitching coached Chad green. I think that, I think that, uh, you need to be hired. (laughs) <laughs> uh, because that is exactly that is exactly what the numbers are saying as well. Uh, the numbers back that up. They are not chasing any of his pitches this year, whether mm-hmm. it's the fastball, the slider, or the splitter. Um, and that's really hurt them. Like you said, then they can just kind of hone in on those fastballs in the zone that they know they can hit. Yeah. And when they can do that, a fastball in the zone, that's going to go far. That's yeah. going to go high, and that's probably going to go – over the fence or to the warning track or, you know, drop in for a line drive. Um, And some of the, you know, some of the astounding numbers you mentioned, you know, with his pitch usage. Yeah, absolutely. He has been become so predictable this year. You look at when he's when the batter is ahead. So when he is behind in the count, he's throwing his forcing fastball uh, about 85% of the time. I mean, how do how do you get around that? I mean, how does a, You know, you're not fooling anybody with that. Um, so, and and on the first pitch, his first pitch, he's throwing his fastball about 80, 82% of the time. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I absolutely like, agree that he needs to develop that secondary pitch, get more confidence in it, and start throwing that for strikes earlier in the count. Yeah, we saw Tanaka do it. You know, when he didn't have a splitter, he started using his curveball, which is like his third pitch, and just throwing it for a strike one, just to yeah. establish like, okay, now I use my fastball as the out pitch since I don't have the out pitch. So, all right, we have to wait and see. It's still early. I think that his uh, – High leverage. He shouldn't really see any high leverage situations for a while, but yeah, it's for to the craze to the people out there that continuously say they need to drop Chad or send him to AAA to work on things. There's so many steps before that. Let's just drop him a little lower in the bullpen and let him work it out. You know, on the team because best case scenario is that he figures it out and or he gets some more miles per hour or something and fixes it. And it's very likely that it, he can still be a good reliever come the end of the season. Speaking of good players, let's pivot to Clint Frazier. He is everyone's favorite player right now. He's actually, you know, him and Glaber, him, Glaber, Voight, DJ, they have the team. Like, they have to put him on their bat. And Clint was not part of this team when when the camp broke and he had an awful spring. What do you see in Clint? We know the confidence is, is there, and I think that is a big part of the of the – the production, but you can't measure that with stats. What can we measure with stats that changed in Clint's game or that's going on in Clint's game? Well, the biggest thing for me, although I'm just going to just give me a second to uh, kind of pull up his page because, I mean, this is just – this is incredible. I love I love looking at his page. Um, and we all know we all know the numbers uh, in terms of, uh, you know, how well he's been playing this season. Um, and uh, – and, and I, I put one stat out there on Twitter um, about uh, about looking at kind of the start that he's had at the age that he's been. Um, five homers. He had five homers and I think, you know, something like 15 RBIs in his first, first 20 games of the season. Um, and the only guys that had done that were, you know, just a couple legends like Lou Gehrig and uh, – and uh, Derek Jeter and, and Mickey Mantle. So what he's doing, and actually the, the stat was at least five homers and, and a 350 batting average uh, this early into the season for uh, for a guy as young as him. Um, so what we're kind of looking at, I think, right now is just someone who's really special. Um, and one of the things really that's jumped out to me um, in terms of uh, the improvements that he's made is the strikeout rate. His strikeout rate has has dropped from 30% to 21% this year. So from way above average, way above league average to actually below league average. Um, and to me, that's that's a meaningful improvement. And uh, it's something that is actually real this early into the season. You can actually talk about changes in strikeout rate um, this early into the season with the, uh, the basically with the number of uh, plate appearances that he's had. Um, and so the other thing, you know, and I think one of the uh, the corollaries of this is that his contact rate on pitches in the zone has increased. So that's obviously helped the strikeout rate. And another curious thing is that he, his contact rate on pitches out of the zone has decreased. So essentially, you know, some people think, oh, well, he's missing them. You know, he's whiffing more on those pitches out of the zone. But at the same time, that's actually a positive because he's getting more solid contact. So he's reducing the amount of kind of those, you know, weak ground balls or those fouls or maybe some 
pitches that he tops or hits under. Um, and, uh, and that's kind of been the hallmark of the season for me in terms of kind of just watching his swing. And we all know about the, the bat speed, you know, the electric bat speed. We love to talk about that. But what he's really been doing this season is he's just been crushing the ball and hitting the ball in the right place. Um, exactly basically what we call on the sweet spot. Um, and I'm just going to throw out a couple, uh, couple of numbers here from, from StatCast. They have this great metric. It's called sweet spot percentage. And it looks like, looks at the percentage of uh, batted balls that you have that are between eight degrees and 32 degrees, which they de- define as a sweet spot. And uh, the, uh, the league average on uh, batted slugging percentage on uh, batted balls in that sweet spot is 1,099. So that's, that's really good. Um, and right now, his sweet spot rate is about 48%, which is the uh, fifth highest in the majors. And uh, back in 2017, when he broke out, it was uh, 38%. So he's increased that by about 10 percentage points as well. Um, so even though his exit velocity is kind of basically the same, and it's not elite, you know, it's definitely not elite, like a, like an Aaron Judge or Gary Sanchez, Um he is contacting the ball in the right place. And that's helped him. Basically, you see all those rope to line drives um, and you see the nice, you know, the majestic home runs, that bomb that he hit uh, on Sunday. Um, and basically the reason is that is that he's making very, very good contact when he swings. Um, and I think that kind of speaks to what, um, what Boone mentioned after the game on Sunday is that, you know, he basically he could really he's really able to quote control the strike zone and impact the ball, um, and I think that you know simply you know you can kind of see it in the numbers that I mentioned. Um, he's not going to wow you with that lightning, you know that the fireball, you know ninety nine percent ninety nine mile per hour exit velocity. He's just going to make sure that he hits it on a line and it's going to find gaps. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And he- Katie, what I loved about that, because we're, what we're trying to do here is connect connect the stats to the game, and you can you can very easily see exactly what you just said early in Clint Frazier's at bats. If he gets a tight slider, he's going to swing through it because he's he's sitting fastball and he's trying to barrel it. But because he's trying to do that, he does miss that pitch and he's not grounding into a double play or weakly hitting it or something like that. So I think that's something that's been extremely clear through the week. And if people need another example of that, look at the guy on our team on the mound, CeCe, who who induces the weakest contact in the league. That's almost CeCe's goal out there <laughs> is to have you hit it on a bad part of the bat. So I, I think I think you can clearly see exactly what you said in Clint Frazier's approach at the dish. Yeah, he's really – I mean, I think what it boils down to is that pitch recognition. He knows which pitches he can hit, um, and he's he's you know he's making the most of the contact that he does make, which I think is a is a very very it's a really valuable skill, and it it's really surprising for a guy that young to be able to do that. So, do all the expected stats and all the stats line up? Is this which is this sustainable? What he's doing? Uh it's I mean obviously because his numbers are just out of the world. His expected stats are a little bit below okay. below what his actual stats are, and that also factors into the fact that his exit velocity is not elite. He's not. 
and you know that's what the expected uh, stats take into account. They take into account exit velocity and launch angle. Now his launch angle is very good. It's it, as I mentioned, it's ideal. You know when I, that sweet spot uh, metric that I mentioned, that's launch angle. But his exit velocity is not as elite. So that's... his expected stats are slightly below his his actual but nothing that's extreme like he's not in the top 50 or top 75 of any of those difference you know differences uh, actual minus expected uh stat or leaderboards um so there might be some regression but i like the fact that he is that sweet spot metric and the fact that he is making really good contact on the balls that he does hit and he has that uh that strike zone um aptitude yeah, that's good stuff. And that passes the eye test for me as well because I remember a couple of times last year and even 2017 when Clint came up where he like, you know, made nice solid contact and I was thinking that was long gone cuz I'm used to watching Judge, Stanton, Gary, even Hicks when he connects, he's got some pretty good exit velocity. And Clinton was just they were just weren't going the same distance as those balls go. So I mean, those guys are big huge balls of muscle Clint's a little I mean Clint's not a small yeah. guy but he's smaller than those monsters and that kind of makes sense yeah I mean he's he's making the most of his opportunities and, and you know like we like to you know like, like we can say there, there's more than one way to, to skin a cat right we do love to say that I, I I you have a dog right okay I have a dog I'm okay with skinning cats though for the record okay good uh is that I don't even know if that's the right analogy I just kind of made that yeah. up, <laughs> um Wherever you can work that in, work it in. Jake usually says that. there's more than one way to kill a cat. That's usually okay, Jake's phrase. There we go. Oh, um, that's, well, once. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's, uh, he's been, he's just been super productive. And, you know, I can see him, I'm not going to, he's not going to hit 360 the rest of the season and slug uh, 700. Um, but I think that he is definitely has a chance to be perhaps most their impactful hitter. For much of the season with uh with all of the injuries all right we have a impactful hitter coming back this week uh gary sanchez should return on wednesday and we actually had a listener question said uh good morning do you think you can do a segment on kt sharp on gary's catching what his framing adds the difference of his game call- calling his arm speed his you know the positives gary brings on defense i think this was emmy who requested it I'm not positive. If I got that wrong, I apologize. If I is Emmy, you're welcome. I remembered correctly. Thank but you. What can we expect with Gary coming behind the dish? Well, the the tough thing with uh, with fielding stats and especially with the with catcher stats uh, is that you need a larger sample really to have a good sense of the true skill, the true skill and, and, and the talent of the player. Um, so this year, yeah, the numbers are really ugly. Um, the Yankees, they do lead the majors in stolen bases allowed uh, by quite a large margin, actually. Uh, they have uh, the second worst caught stealing percentage uh, in the majors right now. <clears throat> and uh, in fact, all three, all three catchers are to blame. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it, there's no really, there's really no way to get around it. Uh, Romine has caught one of 10 guys that have attempted to steal against him. Gary Sanchez has uh, zero caught stealings in six stolen base attempts. Um, Does a pickoff count as a caught stealing? Uh, it, 
I believe it does not. I'm trying no, to remember. He does have one. He does. He does not. It does not in the at least in the baseball reference. Okay. Um, Okay. Yeah, because what basically their caught stealings are then a percentage of the attempts. Yeah. yeah. So you get a caught stealing percentage. So it's not really an attempt. Okay. <laughs> but Gary does have one pickup. Yeah, because Roman so that, I think has a pickup too. I'm trying to remember. Roman's he caught. Doesn't stealing. that was he does not that was, I think that was a pitcher one. Okay. When he was there. Um. But yeah, and then uh, Higgy is Higgy Higgy. I'm just gonna call him Higgy, and we know who Higgy is. Uh. He's had uh, 11 attempts against him and, and three steals. So, And one was a pitch out. Uh, yes, and one was a pitch out. <laughs> Those fairly easy. Um, but uh, so, the, yes, the numbers are ugly. Uh, there's, there's really no way getting around that. I think a lot of what that has to do, though, is, is actually sort of Higgy. And the fact that he's only had 27 innings caught and 11 stolen bases attempted against him. Um, so clearly teams knew that he could not uh, throw out anybody. And that was true um, during his uh, first couple stints of cups of coffee with the Yankees. Um, I believe he didn't throw out his first runner until maybe the 16th or 17th attempt against him last year. Um, so I think a lot of the numbers this year are skewed by, uh, by Higgy and teams running on him. Um, but but it's hard to look at Gary and Gary Sanchez's and Austin Romine's numbers as well and, and make any excuses for those because you really can't. Um, the only thing you can say is that it's early and that sample sizes are extremely low. Um, because when we look at, at, at last year, uh, the numbers are completely flipped. Um, Gary Sanchez, he threw out about <clears throat> 30% of, uh, of runners, which is, you know, slightly above league average and, and worse than any of his previous years, but it was, uh, you know, it was far better than what Romine or Hickey were able to do last year. Um, so I think in the lot, you know, looking at it from a much larger perspective, uh, Gary does is ab- absolutely the better, uh, better thrower. Um, and you see that in the, uh, some of the stat cast metrics that we have now, which are pretty cool. Um, the biggest one to me, the most important one to me is, is what's called pop time. Um, and that is uh, basically uh, it's when the catcher receives the ball um, and then it hits the mitt. And then the moment up until the moment that it hits the fielder um, when the fielder receives the ball. And he was actually, he was, what was he? He was, uh, he was third in pop time last year, average pop time to second base. And Romine was 39th in average pop time to second base. And so that, that really, that shows the skill level of the two. Gary was third. Yeah. Gary was third in the majors. That's very good. And Romine was 39th out of 50 guys with enough, you know, qualifiers. Um, And to me, that's sort of, that, that's the real skill level of throwing out runners. Because if you look at just stolen bases, I mean, that's influenced by the pitcher. It's influenced by the count. It's influenced by the the batter, you know, or the runner, you know, on base. Um, so it's really hard to kind of compare players uh, just simply looking at caught stealing. You don't want to ignore it. But to me, looking at the raw skills of the players really shows that Gary is absolutely the superior thrower to Romine. So we can expect um, some better, uh, I think, some better um, outcomes there. 
in well, terms of stolen bases. And, and even, even Gary had some errant throws earlier in the season, but even the threat of Gary's arm, teams look and say, oh, shit, this catcher's got the third best pop time in the majors. Let's be cautious compared to this dude's the 39th. So even the threat cancels it out. So that's why you got to look at everything. Yeah, uh, he's caught as nearly as many innings as Romine and has half, a, half as many uh, steal attempts against yeah. him. Yeah, and last uh, year, I, I said this to you before we started recording, but this is my simple way to put it. When everyone tries to say Gary was much worse than Romine defensively last year, if you combine pass balls and steals... So we're just talking about how many people advanced on the catcher. Gary allowed less runners to advance than Romine last year. It was Gary's worst year of his career and debatably Romine's best. So that's what we're that's how much better Gary is defensively than Romine. Gary allowed 46 people to get to advance. 18 pass balls, 28 steals. Romine, five pass balls. 45 steals. Yeah, and that's true this year. Uh, we have your stat. We have Romine with 11 of those advancements, and we have Gary Sanchez with six of them. Yeah. And he, he doesn't have a pass ball, everybody. But he's lazy. He's just so lazy. And fat. And he's fat, too. That's right. The The really good, young, athletic, talented catcher for the Yankees is just fat and lazy. Made the bigs at 24. Yes, that has the hardest hit rate in the majors and the most (laughs) barrels and the highest average exit velocity. Yeah. Twist the knife, Katie. Twist the knife. And has to have a personal relationship with six different starting pitchers who speak three different languages. Just so lazy. Yeah, I mean, and catch the the staff with, you know, the highest percentage of breaking balls in, in the majors. So there you go. Boom. On that note, that ends Sharp Stats with Katie Sharp. Get excited for the Angels series. Stay up late. Enjoy it. Thank you, Katie, very much for all the knowledge. Appreciate it. Yes, always a pleasure, guys. Love it. And we're back. Thank you. Fun segment. Thank you, everyone, for calling in. Thank you, Katie, for coming on and making us smarter in the brains. And a power ending. The power ending. 908-845-5792. We're going to try and t- take one listener question for Katie to dig into each week. So call in or tweet at us that if you have those. And the rest we will just talk about. 908-845-5792. Thank you, guys. Uh, enjoy the West Coast trip. And let's go Yanks. Tell them. Oh, oh, oh. Tell him, Grams. Oh, Yankees. Nailed it.